Warning, this episode will contain explicit content. This may be offensive to children under the age of 18. Also, this may be offensive to some adults as well. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Use and Abuse and Music Podcast. My name is Scott. And I'm Kim. And this is episode 54. Today, we're going to be talking about the hearing, the PMRC hearing with John Denver's testimony, including the Senate community's questions and statements after his testimony. Then Kim and I will provide our opinions. So as you can tell, this on this one here, we're going to do it just a little bit different than what we have been doing, where normally we would just, you know, we'd play the, his testimony, then we would give you his uh the Senate committee, but this time we're going to do them both. And then we're going to comment on the whole thing. Okay. Sounds good. All right. But before we do, let's find out what is this day in music history. Today is June 21st, 2019. And in 1969, special guests of this week's Johnny cash, ABC television variety show included Eddie Albert. Jerry Reed and Linda Ronstant. And in 1979, Mick Taylor releases his first solo album after leaving the Rolling Stones four years earlier. And in 1989, at the American Cancer Society Jail Athon held in Hendersonville, Johnny Cash was arrested by Sergeant John Graves. Cash called his friend Willie Nelson, who pledged $1,000 for his release. At the end of the event, the event had raised over $20,000 for charity. And in 1999, Pantera rode a float in the Dallas Star Stanley Cup victory parade in downtown Dallas. Pantera is responsible for the Star's theme song and those we lost on June 21st. 1979, Angus McLeese, original jum- drummer for the Velvet Underground, dies of hypoglycemia and tuberculosis at age 41 and born today on june 21st happy birthday to 1959 country singer kathy matea those who know her or you may know a song is 18 wheels and a dozen roses and greg munford drummer and vocalist for the psychedelic rock band strawberry album clock actually just drummer and vocals Vocalist would be a singer. He's more likely like background vocals. Oh, okay. Last week in music news. June 14th, recording artists are lawyering up and preparing for a legal battle with University Universal Music Group. This is in the wake of a startling report claiming that thousands of master tapes were destroyed in a 2008 fire. At Universal Studios. Station break. Now, this is, I mean, I don't blame these artists getting together, getting lawyers, because this is absurd. What happened? I mean, I, I understand it. Uh, like I stated last week, it may not be the full, um, the it may not be the, the, the tapes separated, but it is master tapes. So any types of, you know, remastering or anything like that cannot be done now you know, with at least the original masters. So, and the problem is we're not, you know, we're talking some major, you know, I mean, I know they mentioned Guns N' Roses. Could you imagine 
I mean, this is just me putting this out there. I I know it's not it's not been late listed, but I mean, could you imagine it being live like a suicide master? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, that was only released on LP. You know, it was an EP LP they released back in the day. They eventually released the EP, the the live like a suicide on the album GNR Lies, where they put some extra uh, acoustic songs on. But it was a live concert that they had done before they were signed to Geffen. Yeah, that's so, right. You know, and they put it out on their own label, Uzi Suicide. Can you imagine if that was one of the tapes in there? Oh, I, mean, I that's know. lost forever. Yeah, it is. I guarantee there's going to be no backup of that. No, there isn't. I mean, besides what was done for the the Lies album later yeah. on. Yeah. But other than that, you're not going to have any anything. So no. anyways, that's just me. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. June 15th, Carlos Santana revealed that close friends had accused him of committing career suicide on a number of occasions as a result of the way his musical output has changed style and form over the years. Uh, I'm just going to add real quick. I, I could just, I'll disagree with this because of the fact that one, I think a lot of artists need to change over time. Otherwise you end up, I mean, I'm sorry, you know, Def Leppard after the history album, on their next album, they actually on their next album they sound just like they did on Hysteria. ACDC, it sounded pretty much sounded the same for you know since their beginning to now, you know. And so, and that's why I like what like with Motley Crue is, yeah, none of the none of those albums sound the same. You know, they they not only did they change their clothing, but they changed their sound. They changed their um, they changed everything else to go with it, um, the logo, and they changed the way the music sounded. I mean, you go from Feel Good into motley 94 okay that's a completely different sound you know you know well i mean even shout the devil does hear pain you go a lighter popish type sound not pretty much the hard rock heavy metal style sound where even on t pass for love you had more of a punk style um sound versus the heavy metal what you had in shout the devil and then girls of girls was kind of a of, of a, a a meaty rock album you know it was definitely a, more of a hard rock album and then you get into feel good and, you know, you start to kind of overproduce a little bit, you know, you're starting to add in a bunch of extra stuff, but again, it kind of follows along with, uh, in, in a way it follows along with, uh, doc or, uh, girls as girls where you get just kind of a great hard rock album. And then you get Motley 94, which is with John Karabi. And then all of a sudden it's in your face harder. I mean, I know we've heard people say, oh, well, it, it's like a, it's like a, a grunge album. No, it's not. It's not even close to being a grunge album. It's not even close to an alternative album. It is straight up in your face, hard rock, you know, maybe even kind of dropping over the metal side, you know, but it definitely is not the same. And then you go generation swine, which then is more alternative, you know, it's not grunge, but it's an alternative rock sound. And then you go back to new tattoo. Well, that pretty much goes back to, I mean, pretty much that's probably the only album that really goes back to that original sound of Motley Crue from, at least from the Feel Good era, you know, and so does Saints of LA, which was released in 2008. <laughs> I almost forgot what year it was released. Um, but again, you know, Crew has, Crew has definitely changed their sound the whole time. So for people, for for his close friends saying that he commit committed career suicide, I mean, I think it's great what he's done because he's taken all these different artists over the time and and added different singers to to his songs to give it a different sound and i do and i like a lot of carlos santana anyways that's enough of my rant okay 
I know it was, I know I didn't say station break, but it was pretty much was. But anyways. Uh, back to the regularly scheduled program. Yeah. June 16th, Megadeth has canceled many of their shows following Dave Mustaine's revelation that he has throat cancer. Go ahead and read the next one. June 17th, Shania Twain announces 23-date Las Vegas residency. June 18th, Nikki Six and Vince Neil Motley Crue aren't happy with Reels Channel. Second season of Breaking the Band, hosted by D. Snyder, has a Motley Crue episode. Nikki Six tweeted at 12.17 a.m. on June 18th, and I quote, Breaking the Band was not authorized by Motley Crue. Our lawyers sent them a cease and desist, and further action will be taken at Reels, Chan- at Reels Channel is the bottom of the barrel, end quote. Then Nikki followed up the tweet 21 minutes later at 12.38 a.m. with, and I quote, should at Reels Channel be liable for putting out shows without so many artists' approval. I am very disappointed that they think they can tell our life story just to sell advertising, mostly incorrect, and without anybody's permission. End quote. Vince Neil added his opinion later on with an Instagram post, and I quote, breaking the band effing memories from a from a manager, Doug Thayer, who can't remember that he's the one who actually broke up the band. The band didn't break up because of me racing. It broke up because he was too much of a wimp who didn't just say, hey, guys, let's take a week off and come back with cooler heads. He called me an hour later and said I was out of the band. Great management. What he didn't say was, instead of me going racing, I put out a top 10 single with you're invited, but your friend can't come. Oops, he forgot. Then an album called Exposed. Oops, forgot again. No wonder he was fired shortly after. End quote. Breaking the Band aired again on June 19th, 2019 on Reels Channel. And we're going to continue with the Motley Crue news. Movie, well, actually, before we do, I'm going to station break this because I did something kind of different. I, well, I actually read what Doug Thaler wrote in the book, the dirt and pretty much what they, I mean, besides maybe a few, a few dates were inconsistent, whatnot. And in fact, you know, like Vince said, they, they didn't, he didn't, they didn't mention you're invited. They didn't mention his, his, his exposed album, but pretty much what Doug said in there in in the dirt was what they used for this breaking the band. Now, of course, should they have, you know, the band sign off on this more than likely. But then again, you had Doug Thaler and you also had doc McGee in there giving their sides of the story. Okay. So would, would Nikki, Tommy, Vince and Mick signed off on that? I doubt it because one, they just released the dirt, the movie, you know, back in March, which again, you know, you go back to that episode and you know, I pointed out there is a lot of inconsistencies. And again, even in that movie, they did not point out that Vince had went on and released a single you're invited, but your friend can't come and released a single, a solo album and not just one, but two solo albums at the time or two, one solo album called exposed. And then later right around when Skylar passed away, he released carved in stone, which had the song Skylar song on there. So again, here we are, you know, I'm just pointing out that it's in the dirt. It's in the book. They chose not to include this stuff in their movie, which in a way I almost think they're trying to rewrite Motley Crue's history. The same. 
That's my opinion. And that's what this show is all about. It's our opinions. Anyways, off that station break, let's get to the next part of Molly Crew news. Go ahead, Kim. Molly Crew's memoir, The Dirt, Confessions of the World's Most Notorious Band. Rock well, band. The world's most notorious rock band will finally be available as an audiobook nearly 20 years after it was published and only a few months following the film adaptation. Harper Audio and Dev Street Books will release it on June 25th. Even though the book is told as an oral history, band members didn't provide voices to the upcoming audiobook. Instead, the work is ready for Sebastian York. Read by. By, okay. Sebastian York, Roger Wayne, Fred Berman, McLeod, McLeod Andrews, and, McLeod. and Hillary Huber. You can pre-order the book from any one of the several audiobook sellers at Motley Crue's website, which also offers some exclusive I Survived the Dirt merchandise as part of the special sell. All right, I'm going to station break on this one, too. Of course, it's Motley Crue related, so I'm going to station break on Motley Crue. All right. First of all, I have an issue with this. So if you have not listened to Nikki Six reading the um, heroin diaries, this is the reason why I wanted Motley Crue. This is why I wanted the dirt on audiobook because I wanted the band to read it. I didn't want to hear actors come in and read it. I wanted Nikki to read what he wrote in the book. I wanted Vince to come in and read what he wrote in the book. I wanted, you know, Tommy to do his, Mick to do his, Doc to do his, Tom's you thought to do his, John Karabi, everyone that was involved in the book that had a story in there, I wanted them to be in there reading their parts. But instead, we're gonna get a bunch, we're gonna get a bunch of actors. I mean, great for those actors, because guess what? They're gonna get paid probably they're probably getting paid a pretty good penny to read this book. Cause I'm assuming. I mean, the one assumption is, I mean, flat out is Motley Crue fans are going to tear this, are going to order this like crazy. Yes, they are. I mean, Crue fans will, will want it regardless. Yeah, they will. You know, even if it's not originally read by the band. The band. I mean, because, yeah. you, you know, now you get to hear it day in, day out. Which then that makes me wonder if a lot of fans will go back and start ripping apart the movie. Yeah. Because they're going to hear parts and go, oh, wait a minute, that what? That's not how it happened in the movie. Yeah. You know, or that's not how, you know, this is how it happened in the book, but the movie's completely different. I mean, again, I understand movie, but then again, for them to be pissed off at, again, I remember go right back to it, be pissed off at this behind the band crap or breaking the band and then do the same thing in their own movie. I, I mean, the only thing they didn't say was Vince is off racing, but it sure is talked about a lot by, not only Doug, Doug Thaler, but also by Tommy, by Nikki. I think Mick's the only one that didn't mention it, but it's still mentioned by those, those two members of the crew in the book. So anyways, all right. Anyways, enough of that. Let's go on and finish this up. June 19th, um, when we're going to read an article here from loudwire.com, was written by Philip Trapp. Facebook has reportedly began banning Led Zeppelin's Houses of the Holy artwork from social, from the social media network, even though the 1973 album cover has been shared freely by users on the site in years past. Created by Hypnosis, 
Designer Aubrey Powell, the photo collage that adorns Led Zeppelin's fifth album was originally captured among the basalt columns of Northern Ireland's giant causeway. In the surreal image, a group of naked figures who were portrayed by two child models are positioned about a skewed mountainous terrain. Alongside Led Zeppelin's rock, alongside Led Zeppelin's rock and roll peers, Hypnosis story team of designers were involved in many other equally equally colorful album covers from rockers such as Pink Floyd, Black Sabbath, and ACDC. But this year, Facebook user Michelle Kadic, and I do apologize for pronouncing her name wrong, I'm sure I did, was surprised to find that an image of the Houses of a Holy cover she uploaded in 2011 had suddenly been removed. Classic Rock reported Wednesday, June 19th. At the time, she supplied the image to a Facebook event page in honor of the Led Zeppelin album's anniversary. At first, and I quote, at first I was shocked, thinking this was a one-off thing. End quote. Chaotic, chaotic described of the own foreign scene censorship. But she soon learned that others had experienced the same difficulty, including a friend with a Jimmy Page fan page who was locked out of their account after posting the artwork. In 2019, a change.org petition was created to address the issue, indicating the matter was affecting other, other Zeppelin fans. But when chaotic, narcotic, uh, Michelle, how's that? We'll just go with her first name. <laughs> but when Michelle shared the petition on Facebook, she ran into more barriers from the social media company. Within 30 minutes of posting the link, she said it was flagged for violating Facebook's content guidelines. And I quote, I received a notice that the post went against community standards. I then created another post mentioning how the petition was removed. Before too long, everyone was commenting, indicating they, that, that they had shared the petition and been given warnings. The link to the petition was being removed by anyone sharing it, all because of thumbnail image was the album cover. I even had page members message me to indicate that they had been given 24-hour bans while some even received three days, end quote. Michelle explained. The bans appear, appear to be highlight bigger issues regarding Facebook censorship algorithms, especially since fan pages created by other Led Zeppelin devotees, like one listener, Jadwiga, launched in 2012, had been del deleted outright after repeated warnings related to the classic rock album cover. And I quote, I started to receive notices from Facebook that the posts were relevant to the Houses of the Holy album were against community standards. This led to a point where I was blocked from posting, sharing, or commenting. I tried to resolve the issue with Facebook, but had no reply. End quote. Chadwiga explained. Facebook has censored controversial hard rock and metal album covers in the past. In 2011, Nirvana's Nevermind artwork was briefly banned by the social media site, The Guardian reported. Sidebar. First of all, we're doing a PMRC censorship episode. Yes, we are. That's kind of ironic that, that, that we, we decided to go back to PMRC. There's a censorship issue. issue yes. Okay. I do understand. First, I want to say I understand. Okay, Nirvana's album cover shows a, a, a baby boy naked, you know, and it shows his little pee pee. Yes, it does. Or his little penis for those that 
don't know what the hell PP is. <laughs> and this ho- Houses of the Holy album, it shows the behinds of, uh, I guess, you know, I guess what I was saying, little actresses, you know, or models, you know. Um, but now, I understand this is 2019. It is. I mean, you know, things have changed. Obviously, you know, um, we have, you know, we have, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Restrictions? Uh, not restrictions. Uh, ratings? No, not ratings. No, 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 no. It, um, pedophiles. Okay. I mean, it is kind of a pedophilic. I mean, anyway, it could be considered. And right now I'm showing you the album cover. Um, so you can see it. Um, it does show their bare behinds. Yes, it does. Now, obviously, I get, I mean, from the article said it's only a couple models and then they superimposed it. Um, anyways, or, you know, they, they added the extra, you know what the, I mean? Yeah, they added the extra, the extra, uh, models. Right. So, again, I mean, I understand the reasoning for the banning. Okay. I understand that. But, I mean, uh, when it comes down to that, I mean, love its first thing by scorpions. You can actually zoom in and see the woman's breast, yeah, the, the nipple of her breast. That's true. You can. Um, I know that they changed their cover to Virgin Killer back in the day. Okay. Because it did show a a uh, a young lady fully naked, uh, frontal nudity. Okay. You know, it would, today would be considered, uh, you know, child porn. Yes. Um. So again, I understand. I mean, you know, Facebook is got to, I mean, they got to protect themselves, people. I mean, it really comes down to it. Um, as far as, you know, banning or, or banning people because they were, they were sharing a, a, a petition, you know, I mean, well, really when it comes down to it, then change.org should have been, should have been banned from Facebook. That's true. Because change.org allowed that picture to be added into their into their system. Yes, they so, did. So as far as I'm concerned, the banning there should have been done to change.org and then explain to these people why. And the thing is, is they, they, get, they get a post to say it's against community standards. You don't get a friggin' explanation or nothing. No. You just get, well, this is against community standards. Well, I want to talk to somebody. I and mean, then obviously you only heard this other person. You, know, you try to resolve the issue with Facebook, but had no reply because Facebook don't really give a crap. They're going to give a crap when everybody decides, you know what, up, up yours and give Facebook the big finger. Yes, they are. And maybe that, maybe that's what we should, you know, we all should do is just start posting pictures of, of the middle finger and just type an F you Facebook. Yeah. And that might be a way to go, but might anyways, be. anyways, oh, you got anything to add on to that or no. You've actually covered the. I mean, the biggest thing is is I understand where they're coming from because of the fact that it is young children, you know, on at least those two album covers. Yes, but there's some other album covers, I guess. You know, I mean, if you want to get down to it, I mean, as far as I go, I hate censorship all the way around. I really don't care. Um, it was you know this was released in 1973, so it's been a long time ago. Things were different in 1973 than they are today. That's true. They are. No, so. As far as I'm concerned on that, you know, it's still art, okay? So I guess the next thing would be is to start going around and, and covering all the uh, all the statues that show nudity 
um, showing, and also need to paint over every painting that shows nipples and, you know, any type of nudity. You know, I mean, that's where, I guess that's where the next step has got to be. Yeah. See, people, this is how censorship starts. It starts maybe with burning books. You know, that was back in the 60s. Somewhere in there, 50s or 60s. They started burning books. You know, and then they burned the Beatles album because, oh my gosh, somebody took out of context that John Lennon said that Beatles are bigger than Jesus. Well, I'm sorry, but kind of is. You know, I mean, y'all want to, I mean, in this day and age, there, there's a lot of things bigger than Jesus. Yes, there is. You know, I hate to say it, but that's just the way it is, you know. That's the way society is today, yes. Yep. Um, but other than that, I mean, really, you know, I hate any type of censorship because all I think is it, I mean, okay, so you censor your children's music. Okay. Well, guess what? When they go to school, they're going to hear twice, you know, they're going to hear things four or five, six times worse than what they ever heard on an album. Let alone. I'll tell you that right now, because I learned most of my cussing vocabulary. I first learned from an, an uncle when I was younger. And then I learned the rest of it as I went to school. Well, yeah, and let alone you try and censor your child's music, they're going to ask their friend to record it for them anyway. I know. So they're going to get it into the house no matter what you do. Right. The thing would be is to hear what they're listening to. So maybe you can kind of get an idea of where, where their head's at. I mean, I know the whole thing with this PMRC thing at the time, a lot of it had to deal around with uh, uh, teenage uh, teen suicide. Well, guess what? There was more, more than just, it was just more than music that was making kids want to kill themselves because you know what? When a child wants to kill themselves, they got some other problems, deep problems, and more likely deep problems at home. Yes. But anyways, we'll get into that when we get to that part of the episode. Let's get into music purchases because these purchases were, are part of the big lot or the big, um, 20 bag, the 20 LP bags that, what was it? 14 LP bags that we bought. Yes, it was. And about 20 records each in each one. Yes. All right, let's go over. So this one was bought on that Friday of May 17th. Neil Sadaka. And it was really fun. And it, these were all vinyl. So. Okay. And uh, it was pure gold by him. Neil Sadaka, Sadaka, pure gold. Um. Real quick, I know on one of previous episodes we did where, oh, well, this album was charted here, this album charted there. I honestly, I think it's just a uh, waste of our time because you know what? We're going to give you all that information when we go, when we finally do listen to the album. So screw it. We're just going to wait until then to do it, in my opinion. Unless you really liked it. If you liked it, then hit it is up on social media. Let us know. You know, just let us know because if that's the way you like it, then we'll, we'll change the show. Anyways, next album on there was Dinosaur, Andre. Previn, Dinah Scenes, Previn Plays, Songs in a Midnight Mood. George Searing, Music to Hear. Tony Sandler and Ralph Young, Together. Diana Ross, Diana Live at Caesars Palace. Linda Ronstant, Prisoner in Disguise. Linda Ronstant, Heart Like a Wheel. Linda Ronstant, Hasten Down the Wind. Now, real quick, sidebar on this one is, in fact, we receipt got you know three records right there and i think we had one or two after that you know so that's kind of cool all right anyways you can go on helen ready helen ready's greatest hits that's another copy 
But I think that was actually a pretty good, decent copy, too. Yeah, it was. Um, Mitch Miller and the game sentiment, sentimental scene with scene along with Mitch. Barbara Streisand, Streisand, Superman. Barbara Streisand, Guilty. Barbara Streisand, Barbara Streisand's Greatest Hits. Barbara Streisand, A Christmas Album. Barbara Streisand, the third album. Again, with all these Barbara Streisands, this gave us a lot of her discography. Yes, it did. It really gave us a lot of albums of her in order, too. Yeah, it did. From the uh, her early beginnings, which is kind of nice. Uh, the next one is A Star is Born. That's with uh, Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. The George Searing Quintet, Searing on Stage. Searing. Shearing. Shearing. Not Searing. We're not Searing some meat. We're Shearing. Shearing, okay. George, the George Shearing Quintet and Orchestra, Blue Chippin. The, Actually, it's, I think it's Blue, blue Chiffon. Chiffon? Chiffon? I, Chiffon. Yeah, I think it's Blue Chiffon. All right, whatever. The Larry Russell Family. I think it's supposed to be Shining. Shining in. And the last one, the George Shearing Quintet and Orchestra, Black Satin. Now, real quick, first of all, it, I mean, some excellent titles there. I mean, some great titles there that were in that batch. Um, now, I'm sure you're going, well, why didn't you get all the, all the George Shearings together? Because we didn't do them. We just, as we pulled them out, that's how we wrote them down. Yes, that's true. They were just true. done that way. Now, maybe when I do the YouTube video for these, it will be more in order, you know? Okay. All right, so now we're going to go into, so anyways, so let's get into the main topic. Um, now you're, about, you're going to roughly about 27 minutes of John Denver testimony, or you're going to about 10 minutes, seven to eight minutes of John Denver, of his testimony, and then the rest of it is all the uh, Senate committee, which there's a few of them that just make him go whatever. But anyways, let's get into this. So this is John Denver's testimony during the Senate committee hearing for the PMRC. Take it away, Chairman Danforth. Next witness is John Denver. John, thank you very much for being with us. Please Good morning, proceed. Mr. Chairman. It's a, it's a great pleasure to be with you, and I apologize for running in and out. I seem to be testifying and briefing uh, many people here in Capitol Hill today, and it uh, causes uh, the ingoing and outgoing. Honorable Chairman, members of the committee, ladies and gentlemen, it's a great honor and a privilege to, be, to appear before you this morning and to take advantage of the opportunity given me in our free society to speak my mind, to give voice to my opinions in a public forum in front of not only the leadership of our great country, but the press and the media, and through them all who might be listening around our country and around the world. I'm here to address the issue of a possible rating system in the recording industry labeling records where excesses of explicit sex or graphic violence have occurred, and furthermore, references to drugs and alcohol or the occult are included in the lyrics. These hearings have been called to determine whether or not the government should intervene to enforce this practice. Mr. Chairman, this would approach censorship. May I be very clear that I am strongly opposed to censorship of any kind in our society or anywhere else in the world. I've had in my experience two encounters with a sort of censorship. Uh, my song, Rocky Mountain High, was banned from many radio stations uh, as a drug-related song. This was obviously done by people who'd never seen or been to the Rocky Mountains and also had never experienced the elation, the celebration of life, or the joy in living that one feels when he observes something as wondrous as the Perseid meteor shower. 
on a moonless and cloudless night when there are so many stars that you have a shadow from the starlight. And you're out camping with your friends, your best friends, and introducing them to one of nature's most spectacular light shows for the very first time. Obviously a clear case of misinterpretation. And Mr. Chairman, what assurance have I that any national panel to review my music would make any better judgment? To my knowledge, my movie, Oh God, was not banned in any theaters. However, some newspapers refused to print our advertisements, and some theaters refused to put the name of the film in the marquee. I don't believe that we were using the name of our Lord in vain. Quite the opposite, we were making a small effort to spread his message that we are here for each other and not against each other. Discipline and self-restraint when practiced by an individual, a family, or a company is an effective way to deal with this issue. The same thing when forced on a people by their government, or worse, by a self-appointed watchdog of public morals, is suppression and will not be tolerated in a democratic society. Mr. Chairman, the suppression of a people, of a society, begins, in my mind, with the censorship of the written or spoken word. It was so in Nazi Germany, it is so in many places today where those in power are afraid of the consequences of an informed and educated people. In a mature and incredibly diverse society such as ours, the access to all perspectives of an issue becomes more and more important. Those things which in our experience are undesirable generally prove to be unfurthering and sooner or later become boring. That process cannot and should not be stifled. On the other hand, that which is denied becomes that which is most interesting. Excuse me, that which is denied becomes that which is most desired and that which is hidden becomes that which is most interesting. Consequently, a great deal of time and energy is spent trying to get at what is being kept from you. Our children, our people, our society, and the world cannot afford this waste. It was my pleasure to meet with radio programmers and broadcasters from all over the country this past week in Dallas. They expressed their concern about this issue and the direction in which it seemed to be going. They also expressed their willingness to practice the discipline and self-restraint that I mentioned earlier, especially when they were given direction by their listeners. Now, I believe this to be true because they're in business to please their listening audience. I would like to acknowledge the PMRC for bringing this issue to the attention of not only our industry, but our government and our people. It is obvious that we are dealing with a real problem which warrants our concern. I would like to point out, however, that we address ourselves not to the problem, but to the symptoms. I suggest that explicit lyrics and graphic videos are not so far removed from what is seen on television every day and night, whether it be in the soap operas or on the news. That we should point our finger at the recording industry while watching the general public at a nationally televised baseball game chant in unison, the Blue Jays suck, is ludicrous. The problem, Mr. Chairman, in my opinion, has to do with our willingness as parents to take responsibility for the upbringing of our children, to pay attention to their interest, to respond to their needs, and to recognize that we as parents and as individuals have a greater influence on our children and on each other than anything else could possibly have. To quote a wise old man from ancient China, if there be righteousness in the heart, there will be beauty in the character. If there be beauty in the character, there will be harmony in the home. If there be harmony in the home, there will be order in the nation. And if there be order in the nation, there will be peace in the world.
I thank you very much. John Mr. Pe Chairman, if I may, excuse me, add a couple of personal words. I'm a father of two children, both adopted. I have a lot of friends in the music business, uh, other rock performers who have children also. And all of them, including myself, we have a great concern for our children. That's, that's why I'm here today. In my experience, sir, all over the world, one of the most interesting things about the music that, that young people are listening to is it gives us, as adults, a very clear insight as to what is going on in their minds. We can know what they're thinking by listening to the music that they uh, surround themselves with. The people that I've had the opportunity to talk with, the troubled children, the teenagers who are considering suicide, what they express to me is a real frustration in their lives, an inability to communicate with their parents, an inability to understand or to envision any kind of a possible future because of the nuclear threat that we live under. They don't see things getting better economically. They don't see things getting better for the small businessman, for the small farmer. They do not see a future for themselves. It is my opinion that it is out of this that some young people put a gun into their mouths and pull the trigger. We can turn this around, sir. We can address the reality of a problem and not deal with just the symptoms and create not only a better world for our children, but for ourselves and all of humanity. We can end hunger. We can rid the world of nuclear weapons. We can learn to live together as human beings on a planet that travels through the universe, living the example of peace and harmony among all people. John, thank you very much for your excellent statement. You, um, you talked about the importance of, um, like in your words, an informed and educated people, and about the importance of communication between parents and, and their children. And as I understand it, that is exactly the point that was made by uh, the um, Parents Music Resource Center group that was here earlier. That is, they're not asking for censorship. They're not asking for government action. Nobody's proposed that. To my knowledge, there's no legislation that's pending that in any way suggests any censorship. The point is not less information. Nobody is trying to prevent rock stars from singing whatever they want or um, music companies from publishing whatever they want. The question is one of, of communication and openness. Um, Senator Exxon said earlier, if we're not legislating, why have a hearing? Frequently, we have oversight hearings in the Congress, and one of the reasons for it is to just air what's going on, to bring it all out in the open, to increase information, not to reduce information. What the mothers are saying is that they don't have sufficient information. They want to know more. They want to be more informed. They don't want less information. They don't want censorship. They want more information. They want to know. They don't want what goes on in their home simply to be a matter between the music artist, the rock star, and their 11 or 12-year-old, 13-year-old child. They want to be in on the act, too. And all they want is more information as to what's going on. And it would seem to me that that is a reasonable request for them to make, that it is reasonable for all of us to be in on the act rather than just to have a, almost a private relationship between our kids and, and somebody outside the home.
I understand, Senator, and uh, I applaud uh, what is taking place here today. My concern is that it's sort of, you know, it feels like if we're bringing this issue to the Congress, to the Senate, that there's a very real possibility that uh, legislation is going to be acted upon. I understand that it hasn't. I understand. But several gentlemen have said that if it becomes, if it looks like there's possible to make legislation, some of you today have said if, you may, if it's possible to make legislation, that you would uh, go further with this if there's a constitutional yeah. way to do that. Just believe me, zero chance of legislation. I don't think anybody has introduced a bill, and I don't really think that's, that's the possibility at all. I think the, the only question is, is there a, a possibility of, one, bringing the issue before the country? And I you mean, have so, done that, so and that I we can that. just talk about it and uh, ventilate our concerns. Secondly, yes. is there a possibility of increasing the information that is available to parents of kids who have the, the real responsibility for raising those children and for establishing whatever values those children are going to have? I understand. Senator Hollings. Yeah. Welcome. I'm glad to see you working in addition to the hunger feel, the hunger of the body, the hunger of the mind, John. And I'm delighted to work with you on this. There's some differences. Uh, for one thing is uh, an old trial lawyer. We know well that uh, Clarence Darrow made a nine-hour summation in the Scopes trial. If a trial lawyer today competing with television and television performers uh, makes more than a nine-minute summation. He, he's lost the jury, his case, and everything else. The parrot is in competition with that six hours of rock coming over radio and TV. Now, it's pleasant to talk about parents and their duties and responsibilities, but they're in one heck of a competition out there. And we do know that they, perhaps television, in many, many instances, parents trying to do their best uh, <laughs> The Hinckley case and what have you, uh, tried and tried but didn't realize. You say that the parents have a greater influence. Not necessarily so. An additional point that we have to take in mind is the proposition of uh, the limited uh, use of uh, protected speech in the broadcast media. And you mentioned just coming back from the radio and TV broadcasters. Unless we tend to what some rule or regulation, will that discipline develop? It hadn't. There is no discipline. The only since the movement now, the recent group, uh, have we gotten any kind of offer or recognition of the problem itself. We know, talking about free speech, that the broadcast airways belong to the people. We'll take a radio station in my own backyard using full letter words. The FCC fined them. That wasn't unconstitutional. We do have some authorities. We do have some responsibilities here. And uh, they're not all clean-cut John Denver's. Denver's, on the contrary, I haven't listened to too much of it, but it seems like the majority is otherwise. I think that the oral atmosphere developing in this particular hearing that the committee's on trial and make darn sure we don't do nothing or to transmit rather back to the original problem, filth, pornography, suicide, all this other stuff coming out of these records. Now, the other gentleman, Zappa said, print the words, I rather like that, uh, since I wouldn't have to read it. He would read it one way, obviously, and I would read it differently. 
and there is that human error involved. Do you have any recommendation for the committee other than just do nothing? I mean, you've talked in beautiful terms. You're the best I've seen on peace and the family. I'm not speaking facetiously, and the family and the responsibility and the wonderful human nature, and I'm with you on the stars. We're both supporters of Cousteau, and uh, I've authored in this particular committee the oceanography programs. Barring all of that, are you saying do nothing? No, sir, I'm not saying do nothing, and that is exactly why I'm here and why I applaud this hearing That's and applaud what these ladies, uh, what the PMRC has presented to us. Well, I think uh, we've got to be sensible about it, but there is, like you say, with it, particularly with at least the radio and TV, I can't read the words coming there. I can see that difference between Mr. Zapp and myself. If persons of free volition can go in and read the language and see the words there, uh, I wouldn't have to read it. But then, to not have some inhibition, some kind of discipline, as you describe it, within the broadcast media, uh, then we've flunked the course because there are six hours of that thing steaming and beaming into uh, the homes. Well, you know, Senator, uh, excuse me if I'm interrupting. No, I, sir, uh, not. I'm trying to... When I was, uh, when I was raised, uh, television was just coming out, and golly, it was an attractive uh, uh, medium, and I could sit there in front of that TV set and watch it all day. I, my parents had some restrictions on how much time I could watch television during the week, especially when I was going to school, and I could choose the programs that I wanted to watch. And I think that this is kind of an influence that we can exercise as parents on our children. Just because it's on seven hours doesn't mean our kids are going to get to sit there and watch it that whole time. And we can give them a certain amount of time. And over here for me, you know, one of the things that I'm fortunate with is my children and I live in a, a beautiful country. And we have a lot of, of activities which really call us outdoors, uh, call us together and away from the boob tube. No, I don't watch very much television. And, uh, and I think that we can exercise this kind of influence on our children, even in a city environment. You and I are different. I mean, uh, you and I are the same. We don't watch. I don't watch that much television, obviously, but uh, the, the record is otherwise. They watch in television as much as instruction in the classroom, in the public schools, and more. All surveys show that. So it's, it's being watched. So that's the fact. And living in the real world, where you and I would like to restrict our children, or me, my grandchildren now, uh, it's, it's a real problem. It's a real problem. And I guess you know from uh, being a master at the art, the way you start off selling that record is to get it accepted at some good programming, some good broadcasting, and then, then the sales follow. And uh, you can't print those words ahead of time, so I'll know to cut the television off quick or whatever it is, uh, unless that discipline develops, in other words, with the broadcast media. We are going to be forced somewhere with regulation through the FCC or otherwise. I don't think the American public uh, is uh, going to go along just with a nice herring up in Washington today. I think there's <laughs> going to have to be something more developed of some kind of discipline, as you indicate. And I'm trying to find out from you how do you develop that discipline a little bit better than what has been developed. Well, I think that, that you know, a good beginning to addressing this real problem is, the is this hearing that is taking place. What most concerns me, aside from potential legislation which might be enacted, which we have said is, which we've heard today is not going to be the case, is that the whole presentation made by the PMRC comes from, in my experience, a foundation of fear. The only thing we have to fear, as President Roosevelt said, is fear itself. I'm not afraid of anything. 
I'm not afraid of what my children might see. I'm not afraid of anything that might be shown, shown them or done in their presence that would lessen my influence on them or their opportunity to grow up and be fine, upstanding adults and perhaps someday serve in this uh, very august body. Well, most respectfully, President Roosevelt never heard these records. <laughs> <laughs> I think the things that he heard were far worse, sir. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, it's an honor to be able to ask uh, some questions. I've been a fan for a long time, Mr. Denver, and not only of your music, but also of, uh, of your uh, contributions to efforts like Farm Aid at the present time and also uh, uh, world peace and uh, your trips to the Soviet Union and elsewhere. Do you see the kind of trend in, uh, in uh, some rock music that is outlined by this presentation? Have you ever been to a, a Motley Crue concert, for example? No, sir. Are you, do you agree that there does seem to be a growing trend uh, in the, uh, at least in the heavy metal area uh, that uh, emphasizes uh, 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 explicit uh, violence and sex and uh, sadomasochism and the rest. You, you're aware of that music, aren't you? Yes. Why do you think that has been growing in popularity? Again, sir, uh, my experience, not only in this country, but all over the world, is that music today is the medium which most specifically tells us what's going on in young people's minds. Not what's being put into them, but what yeah. reflects what they're interested in. I think that this addresses itself to a much graver problem, in fact, the source of the symptom that we're discussing here today. Well, I mean, if a 10-year-old uh, uh, listens to uh, a song uh, glorifying a rape, that's not uh, reflecting what is in that 10-year-old's uh, mind, is it? Uh, I don't think so. I'm not sure that there are many 10-year-olds who know what rape is. I'm not sure that, I'm not sure I would agree with that. If, if, um, if you have uh, an explicit description of, uh, of a suicide, for example, uh, and a song uh, that, that uh, seems to glorify and promote suicide, uh, that's not, I mean, I mean young people are aware you know, of that. <laughs> Mr. Gore, uh, Senator, excuse me for interrupting. Sure. If I could count the number of times that a mother or father has come up to me or a child has come up to me and says, if I don't get your autograph, my mother's going to kill me. If I don't get your autograph, my daughter's going to kill me. Yeah. You know, uh, just well, you see a difference, this is a part of our, of, of our language. And, yeah. and there might be a slight difference, but I don't think it's as big as you point out. You well, know, the if, way uh, this, this video that we watched here today... Uh, I think is probably a fantasy that every child, that every kid has about his father at some point in time. It may not be exactly those particular graphics. It may be out in the farm taking, being able to take your dad out and put, a, put a, a board to his fanny. But this goes on. This is a part of growing up. And our, com our society has gotten increasingly complex. There are many more images to reach from. They all have an impact on a child's mind. And I'm saying that the small percentage of records that we're discussing here today, compared to the 125,000 songs that are released every year, is minuscule and is not going to affect our children uh, to a degree that we need be fearful of. 
We need to be conscious of it. We must concern ourselves, and we need to uh, communicate with our children and have them feel comfortable with con uh, communicating with us. Well, let me come back to the question about suicide. Let's say you have a, a popular rock star who is uh, uh, who has a lot of fans, who sings a song that says suicide is uh, the solution, and appears in fan magazines with a with a, a gun barrel uh, pointed in his mouth, and uh, and and promotes material that that seems to uh, glorify suicide. Here we have one of the highest rates of teen suicide of any country in the world. The rate has gone up 300% in the last decade among young people, while it's remained constant among adults. Do you think it's a, a responsible uh, act for, uh, for uh, a record company to put out a, a song glorifying suicide and for the artist to uh, uh, promote uh, the album by uh, putting a gun uh, in his mouth uh, uh, in, in a suicidal, uh, in a simulation of suicide? I would not like to be the one to tell a record company or an artist what to do. I certainly think the picture that you describe is deplorable. And uh, if I found that in my home, I would uh, talk to my kids about it and uh, get rid of it. Could no. I interrupt? It's my understanding that you have to leave. Is that correct? Are you going Senator, I appreciate that. Yes, I have an appointment with NASA at noon, and uh, if it's possible, I would like to go to that, but I also really appreciate being able to discuss this with you all, and I'm happy to stay if I can handle that. Let me ask uh, if there are any, are there any more questions? <laughs> Mr. Chairman, I will, uh, I will stop uh, my questions at this point and wish uh, Mr. Denver good luck in getting on the space shuttle. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. Senator Axon uh, has uh, a question, and I think Senator Pressler does. Thank you very much for being here. I yes, sir. I appreciate your testimony. I don't know you, but uh, although maybe to the beginning of the end of your career, I like your music. Uh, <laughs> uh, in fact, I think I know you. Uh, uh, I think a friend of yours, Rainbow Terrain, has uh, talked about you. She's an art instructor and a friend of my wife's, and uh, I kind of think I know her through you. Just one basic question. Please clarify for us, what is your opinion to the key question that's been asked time and time again here, and you've been, you've alluded to it. Uh, are you for uh, the printing of material on labels? Are you for, or for or against, or are you for or against any kind of a rating as long as it's done voluntarily between the uh, record companies and the producers. Uh, uh, that's my key question, and I would simply say one more time, which I said every time I've had this microphone this morning, I think it's wrong to imply that uh, no, although no bills have introduced, bills might not be introduced, and I want to hold uh, that threat for what it's worth over the head of trying to accomplish some free enterprise volunteerism that most people have agreed to. What, what do you think about a free enterprise volunteerism getting together and either printing or coming up with a rating program of some kind that would be prominently displayed on records? I'm opposed as an artist. I'm opposed to any kind of a rating system, voluntary or otherwise. Putting the lyrics on the, on the sleeve of an album or on the jacket of an album is, is no problem for me. Again, I think it goes beyond reading the word, and I bring up again the song Rocky Mountain High. 
you know, some people, high is high, and high is getting stoned, and high is a feeling of elation, a celebration in life. As I told the people in the Soviet Union, when I had the privilege of singing for them there, I, I sang Rocky Mountain High, and then I described what high meant to me, and then I said to them, that's how I feel having the privilege of singing for you. That is how I feel having the opportunity to participate in my government here today. Thank you, Mr. Denver. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Fressler. I guess that ties in with, uh, with uh, my question. Your basic line is that you're against any type of government action in this area, or indeed any voluntary labeling. I, I would be, yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for your patience for uh, waiting so long. Thank you, Senator. Great privilege to be with you all. Thank you. All right. Well, there we go. We got John Denver. And <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave our laugh in there because I'm sorry. <laughs> that was but funny. He is, so, he is so right, though. I mean, if you look at the Twisted Sister video, you honestly, you, you got to go, yeah, man, I wish my, I wish I could do that to my dad, especially you know, at 13, 14 years old. You know, oh, I yeah. wish I could, you know, I mean, and it's just funny because, you know, go out and speak a Spanish. Oh, I know. know. That was funny. Um, and then, then, of course, also, it just shows you how much time has changed, too, because back then, you know, we called it the boob tube. Yeah, we did. You no, know, it wasn't, it wasn't. Anyways, I, one thing was brought up by Senator Gore, and I want to kind of get into this one real quick. First of all, he, he references Ozzy Osbourne's song called Suicide Solution. Yet, the times that suicide is brought up in the song, there's never a mention of as a solution, right? Uh, and here's a couple. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that this is any, it's not again, uh, it's still good. It's not. I mean, it really is bad because uh, the very opening line, wine is fine, but whiskey's quicker. Suicide is slow with liquor. Okay? That's the first beginning lyric of the song. Okay. All right. And then you go down and, uh, Towards the end of the song, uh, gosh, now I lost it. <laughs> That's why I get the lyrics right in front of me. Oh, here it is. Uh, it's uh, breaking laws, knocking doors, but there's no one at home. Ma made your bed, rest your head, but you'll lie there and moan. Where to hide? Suicide is the only way out. Don't you know what it's really about? Okay. And again, those could be taken many different ways. Um, yeah, they could. You know, again, you know, you still got your, you know, and then, and then again, it repeats, you know, wine is fine, but whiskey's quicker. Suicide is slow with liquor. But then the next lyrics after that, even in the beginning of it is take a bottle, drown your sorrows. Then it flooded, floods away, away tomorrow's. Take me away. Oh, oh, tomorrow. It's never getting fixed. No flaps, nobody, no flaps, nothing. And I could take that a few ways myself because, I mean, um, I could take that with the part of, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, I've drank my sorrows into a bottle before or into um, whatnot. And guess what? It didn't get any better. Uh, you know, it, it may have flooded it for a bit. But then when I woke up the next day, it, it was still there. Well, yeah. So again, those those are the kind of those are the lyrics right there. A little bit of the lyrics from Ozzy, but let's get into this a little bit, Kim. What was your uh, first of all, Mr. Denver's uh, overall testimony? Or do you want, or do you, do you need me to bring things up that I have? Well, no, I thought the overall testimony. He actually has a very good point. I mean, all he is doing in his testimony is just pointing out, hey, parents need to be parents and not be 
pushovers every time their kids whine and cry that they want an album. Right. And here's a few of the things that, um, here's a few, a few of the things that really caught my attention. And the fact that he used, uh, very, right there in the very beginning, suppression begins with censorship. It does. And it did the same as in with Nazi Germany. I love how he used that, that focal point of the beginning of that because he's correct. When you start suppressing something or to get to suppression, you have to get some censorship. Okay. We talked about it earlier with, you know, again, I know we're in a different era, but back, you know, at least back then, even back in the nineties, you know, early, early nineties with the nevermind album by, by uh, Nirvana, that album cover was deemed appropriate. Yeah. No one banned it. No. So again, we weren't suppressing it back then. No. No, but you start censorship and it does go to suppression. It does. And I mean, I, I, again, I come to the points of things we've seen late, you know, or last probably, you know, last 20 years where a lot of things that used to be deemed okay are now being suppressed. Yeah, they are. So, you know, and I'm not talking, I mean, I'm, I'm talking, you know, even like just the 10 commandments. You know, taking the Ten Commandments off of off the lawns of a courthouse. Yeah, I understand the the Constitution gives us the you know separation of church and state. I understand that, but at the same time, if you look at most of those Ten Commandments, minus the the you know, I am uh, I am or there is only one God, and I'm a jealous God part. I mean, you look at all, most of the rest of the commandments, and they're pretty much our laws today. Yeah, they are. You know, thou shalt not kill. Exactly. Well, that's murder. That is very I mean, much murder. No, really, when it comes down to it, I mean, you want to get, you want to take the Ten Commandments out, then I say, then get rid of the friggin', get rid of murder. Yeah, murder is now now no longer uh, against the law. Yeah, it is legal to do. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe, maybe we ought to just have our own purge. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, back to point. Um, so after he brought that up, uh, then he put said that radio stations are are in business to please its listeners correctly. Because, you know, if your listeners don't like what you're saying, they're going to they're gonna, stop, you know, yeah. they're gonna stop listening. I mean, yeah, they are. You know, it comes down to it comes down to that. And they, you know, complain to the FCC, which we'll get to Senator Hollings because he did bring up, you know, FCC laws, which I, yes, I agree. You know, and that's the reason why they have laws in the FCC, why radio stations are held, because it is over the public airways. That's why I don't understand why we're having this conversation. Because ninety percent, you know, a good portion of these songs, minus a few, you know, if you go back to the original uh, "Filthy 15, I can guarantee you right now, most of those weren't even on the charts. Minus maybe "Shebop" and uh, um, um, uh, uh, "Sugar Walls" by uh, Sheena Easton. Yeah, I don't really think "Darling Nikki" was played on the friggin' radio. I don't think being, so. You know, but anyways, uh, another thing that he pointed out was. Uh, pointing figure, fingers at the mu- music in- industry, yet not at soap operas, the evening news, is ludicrous. Well, yeah, because even today, you see it on the news. Nightly, oh, you God, see right. it on the news. Soda, soda, soda operas, you see it if you're a soda. Soda operas? Well, you know. Soda soap operas. Soap operas. Soda opera. <laughs> you see it. She's, in- in, she's into soda operas. Don't ask me what the hell they are, because I don't know. I mean, you see it on oh, dim. God. 
You also I see mean, it soap, on dramas. Soap operas go as far as including incest. Yeah. So don't, you know, so let's, you know, let, let's get to it, you know. I mean, and, and it's not just, you know, on one song or one one week. It Some of those last, those sexual annual windows between family members run on for five or six years in a soap opera. Sometimes the whole duration of the show. Anyways, um, music, right, listening to the young people's music gives adults a window into the minds of the young people. And I agree with that. Well, I do too. Because, again, most of us are, you know, I mean, even like me and you, you know, both of our fathers were part of the Vietnam era. Yeah. I mean, our parents came from the baby boomer era. They were, my, our fathers were in Vietnam. Um, or, or made in with the Vietnam War. My dad was actually in Vietnam, you know, and, you know, I remember some of the crap that he dealt with, or I don't remember it, but I remember the stories my mom told me about us children having to duck to wake him up. Yeah. I mean, you know, and you can think about that now. It's like, son of a, holy shit, really? Yeah. You know, but again, you know, so how how the heck am, am I, you know, 14 15 year old kid you know supposed to coexist with that exactly you know how am i supposed to get my points across yeah when they you know in my book they're just not listening to my points yeah well and then it all just goes back to it all just goes back to that one thing parents yes need to be aware of what their kids are listening to but don't ban it from them because they're going to find it with their friends. They're going to say, hey, so-and-so, could you record this for me so I can bring it home? They're going to sneak it home in their bag somehow. Well, okay. I mean, we can station break on that real quick because you come from, um, you and your family or even your sister, you guys knew uh, parents who only allowed their children to watch G-rated movies. They weren't allowed to watch even PG. Yeah, we knew we knew families like that. You know, so and 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 they were part of your church, right? Yeah, they were. They were. So I mean, I mean, these at least until these people became adults, they had never seen even Star Wars. Yeah, I know. And see, that's the one thing I can say about my the family that I was raised in. Me, my sister and I were raised in, is it everything was open. I, I mean. mean everything any subject was open and we were allowed to watch most anything just not radar movies yeah just well there wasn't very many radar movies that we were wa- that we were allowed to watch that is true well i mean just point out yeah i mean well how, how was your i mean i guess let's just go on this line real quick how was your parents on when they changed the rating system to pg-13 you know they really didn't tell me how they felt okay. on it as far as i know they were cool with it because maybe most time at PG thirteen, you can get one f bomb in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as I'm aware, to my knowledge, okay. they were no, cool fine. with it. That's why I just wanted to know where. I mean, and and again, we're talking about radio system for movies. We, we kind of went off track with the music, but anyways, let's get back to uh, another the other thing that I talked about, or just what John Denver talked about at that point too, was also the fact that. And this was actually after he had read his prepared statement. And he told Senator Danforth, excuse me, sir. I got more to say. You're going to shut up and listen to me. Exactly. And um, was the other thing was 
you know, that the young people want no nukes. We see that there's no better future economically, no no future for small business owners and small farmers. Well, guess what? That's pretty much where we're at today. Yeah, it's exactly where we're at today. You know, so... So for our generation, there was no future in our minds, you know, looking at what was going on economically and, and through the, you know, the whole political side that we paid attention to, there was no future. No, there wasn't. You know, I mean, I, I take it back to the uh, group Timbuk3. You know, they had an album or a song called uh, that ended up becoming the theme song for Head of the Class. Those of you that remember that are, know you're old. Yes. But it was, you know, the future's so bright, I got to wear shades. Yeah. It it wasn't because the future was so bright with money and gold. It was about the fact the future's so bright because we're a damn nuclear war. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times we were on, I mean, we we, we were constantly, you know, wondering who's going to drop the bomb. Oh, yeah. You know, is Russia, I mean, come on. That's why the movie War Games was made. That's exactly why you it know? was made. I mean, there's a lot of movies, you know, I mean, look at like all the Mad Max series, you know, it's all about post, you know, it was all about after nuclear war. Well, yeah. And then Chernobyl happened. Oh, yeah. You know, and then when Chernobyl happened, I mean, that pretty much woke us really, you know, kind of like, whoa. Yeah. Um, Not cool. Yeah. You know, what kind of future do we have? Yeah, exactly. You know, so again, you know, I know I'm kind of sidebarring a little bit, but I don't care. Um, anyway, so that, that was the end of pretty much with the points I got off of, off of Mr. Denver's, uh, testimony. And then we get to, then we get to the senators. Luckily it's only what four talking. Yes. But they seem to be very long winded and they seem right. to, ev- and it was the same subject over and over again, just said in right. a different way. Well, what I love is you got, uh, you got chairman Danforth literally Keep saying there's no legislation or regulation on the table. That there's nothing being talked about it in here yet, and that's why I put it yet. Both Holland, Senator Hollings, and Exxon have said differently during earlier testimonies that they would, you know, welcome re- legislation or regulation. Which right and then there, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Which right there says both of them were going to were thinking about introducing the bill. Right, and then I mean, and John does bring that up and says, you know, hey, you know, um, well, from some of your colleagues in here, I I feel differently. Yeah, which is true because, you know, it, it's like Danforth's trying to paint it this way. Yeah, and he's not listening to even the rest of the community man- members. No, he's not. You know, and, and I mean, and, and John does applaud the committee for having this hearing for bringing this to the American public and. What not? Again, I can go back to the point of Mr. Zappa, who thinks that it was a cover-up for the um, House bill that was trying to go through about uh, taxation on re- uh, tape recorders and blank cassettes. But we'll, we'll we'll maybe we'll dive into that one day later. Yeah. Another not you know maybe maybe later this year or later next year. Okay. Um, as for a podcast. Anyways, then we get to Senator Hollings. Oh, gee whiz. And just, uh, wow. Um, parents, and this is what he says. Par- parents are in, co- I mean, after you go over his long-winded 
I don't even know what the hell he was saying. But parents are in competition against six to seven hours of TV. Can I ask a question? Go ahead. Because I, I think we're probably going to bring up the same thing in a little bit, but go ahead. Make sure, and I'll tell How you. How are parents in competition with seven hours of TV when they're the ones that run the TV, unless they're big cotton-picking babies and let their kids get away with everything? Okay, hold that thought. We'll get to it in a minute, okay? He brings up the Hinckley case, okay? And the Hinckley, uh, Hinckley is the man who shot President Reagan, um, mainly because he was in love with Jodie Foster. He felt... He, he believed that if he killed Reagan, he would get them uh, having a, a relationship with Jodie Foster. That's right. from that, two different sides of the fences. Right. And, and again, we're talking about suicide here. We're not talking, I mean, and I don't think, and I sure in the heck know, I believe Hinckley wasn't listening to these bands because Hinckley was an older man at the time, you know, in his mid to early 20s um, when he shot Reagan, maybe even in his 30s. I don't remember. I'll have to look it up. Uh, I uh, hope I'll remember and get back to you next on next week's episode. Um, he feels that the committee, he feels that the committee is on tr- on trial. He feels uh, we've got to be sensible about it. He agrees with Zappa about having lyrics printed. Then John brings up that parents had rest- his parents had restrictions for watching TV. Now here's the thing, and this is where I was want to bring that back into where you said okay because my parents had restriction on how much television we could watch on school nights during the summer and on the weekends so did my parents we weren't watching i mean maybe in a given week we might be watching seven hours in a week yeah that's seven days yeah that's roughly an hour a night yeah, that's about what because ours was. I don't consider watching the damn evening news or the local news as watching television. No, it wasn't. Because I certainly hell wasn't paying attention to I it. I wasn't either. And that's as best ex- I couldn't. Yeah, you know. yeah, and that's exactly why I brought that point up. Parents were never in competition with the TV unless they're, like I said, pushover parents. Well, unless they just... Who, no, well, every well, time their kid whines no, and cries, they, they well, give no. it to okay. them. You're going to go with the pushover parents. I'm going to go with the non-existent parent. The yeah. parent who uses the television, who uses the video games, who uses, uh, heck, let's go into this day and age, VC, you know, uses DVDs and Blu-rays and anything else to stick their child in front of become the damn babysitter. Yeah, I agree. That's where I was going that's with the, the comment. I mean, that's the, only, that's the only way you get that. And, you know, so, I mean, we kind of hit two of them there on one stone. I just know this. My parents had restrictions on how much television we could watch. And mine did too. And believe me, I was, I mean, we might, I mean, on, on the far end, I would say, I could say probably on, in a given week, we were maybe watched, maybe, I, I mean, I guess if I gave a, 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 a wider end, maybe 24 to 30 hours a week. Yeah, that's about it. But us. still, it's not, I mean, you're, it's not, I mean, and, that's way, I mean, I'll tell you right now, that's way conservative because I know, or that's way on the soft side because I know, like, school nights or coming home from school, you know, depending on what kind of practice, if I had football practice or whatever practice, um, I had to get my homework done, eat dinner, um, and then I might have had an hour every school night to watch television. Yeah, that's about If there was something on that yeah. I wanted to watch. Now, for me, my television watching, besides 
Monday Night Football, and I, I couldn't watch unless I did have my homework done. Um, besides Monday Night Football, my 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 nightly routine or weekly weekend routine was uh, obviously we had Tuesday nights with uh, who's who's the boss? Yes, and then uh, TGI Friday, TGIF with uh, Growing Pains, um, the one with Urkel. Uh, fam- uh, family, and then matters. the one with uh, um, Suzanne Summers and uh, oh, the guy that played Bobby Ewing on Dallas, yeah, step by step, yeah, those are the ones I remember watching, you know. And I'll tell you one thing I mean, one thing we didn't have MTV in Battle Mountain, Nevada, no. so I wasn't, you know, getting that, but I mean, we were allowed to watch Radio 1990 after school, yeah, and I only watched it when it was, you know, I watched it here and there, I didn't watch it all the time, um. I usually had I had to record night tracks off of uh um well I had to record night flight and night tracks and then would go once I had a VCR in my room, then I'd watch it myself. And that's once we had a VCR in the home. And we didn't get a VCR until I probably 85, 86. Yeah. I would say, maybe even later. Maybe yeah. even more like eighty eight. Well, yeah. So by then, I mean, and I would I would take it into you know, take it and or wait for parents to be gone and, and watch my videos. She, you need to take a drink. But, you know, I mean, so, again, we weren't, I guarantee we weren't watching those six to seven hours a day. No, we weren't. I mean, if, if you give it six hours, I mean, yeah, I guess, wait. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, I just, I don't believe, I don't even think we were watching it six hours a day because I know Sunday, Saturday, well, Saturday nights we, you know, especially during the uh, summertime, we were either one on vacation or two, we were out, out at our local racetrack or our local dirt racetrack every Saturday night. Well, yeah. Um, Sunday, you know, I might have had, you know, depending on what channel, if we could find a NASCAR race, if there was one on that weekend that we wanted to watch. Well, yeah. Um, you know, that might set aside four hours. But other than that, I mean, Sundays was, you know, either, you know, and especially during summertime, you know, we were, we had, we were, you know, also dealing with little league games for my sister. So I mean, we, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I had little league games at one point. I eventually played, eventually played fast pitch softball. I had the men's league on that. So I mean, you know, my weekend. I mean, I was pretty freaking busy during the summertime. Well, yeah. I certainly heck didn't have enough time to watch television. Neither did I. I mean, I probably watched more television. Well. Ten years ago, I watched more television than I ever did as a kid. Well, yeah. I mean, now it's you know, watch a couple of races, maybe watch a little football when it's on, and you know, maybe catch one show here and there if we want to. Well, yeah. But man, I mean, I really can't even tell you what's on. Me, I almost wonder. At times we wonder why we even pay, why we even have TV. Yeah, we why do. Why we even pay to have TV? Yeah. You know, but that's because most of like our racing series that we like are on channels that are not over the air. That's true. Anyway, so back now that we're now that we've uh, gone that direction, back to what we were talking about. Um, again, he agrees, or yeah, we just got done to John Denver. Um, and then he brings then then Holly brings up the survey that teens watch more TV than being in school. That's why I should have went with that. So we already talked about that, which we call farce. Yes. He says that uh, they will be, then he says 
but they will will be forced with regulation through the FCC. Okay, well, FCC's already got laws that pertain to using the F word. He's the one who brought that up earlier. Yeah, he did. Because he said there was a radio station in his backyard that used the four-letter word a few times, and they got fined. Yeah, they did. Well, guess what? That pertains to music, too. Yeah, it does. So, again, you know, that is on them. And, again, uh, John brings up that this is a good beginning, or a good beginning is this hearing. Then we go to Senator Gore, who, again, um, he talks about, John brings up the reflection of what teenagers think. While then Mr. Gore brings up, well, do you think a 10-year-old, uh, a song about rape, or a 10-year-old listening to a song about rape, uh, bring... And suicide so- and suicidal thoughts. Well, no, that's before he did the suicide solution. And but do, do you believe that a 10-year-old, that if a 10-year-old listens to a song about rape, that reflects what he's thinking? And then Mr. Denver says, I doubt a 10-year-old knows what rape is. I would tend to agree with Mr. Denver in 1985. Yeah. Um, but Mr. Gore says he doubts it. Well, okay, well, that's obviously you're talking about, you know, again, what are these surveys and stuff that they getting, where are they getting them from? Is it just New York and LA or Miami? You know, is it just the big cities? Because guess what? And Podoc, you know, I'm sorry, small town Battle Mountain or Austin, Nevada or Ely, Nevada or Winnemucca or Elko, Carlin. I guarantee you, in 1985, no 10-year-old knew what the hell rape was. No, they didn't. And then we get to Senator Exxon. Uh, he rambles on there for a minute before he finally asks his question because, you know, Mr. Denver's got to get out there because he's going to try to get on the space shuttle. Hopefully that was not the 1986 space shuttle uh, mission because if it was, that was Challenger, and that sucker blew up. Yeah, it did. Oh, I know it did because I watched it on TV at school. Yeah. That was not cool. Anyways, because I had friends going, hey, man, it's pretty cool. I'm like, that's not cool. That's not right. Anyways, we're sidebarring to something completely different. Um, So, again, so I figured at that point, you know, you think when that was brought up, you know, the rest of the centers, no, we don't want, we don't want, we, we'll, you know, let them go. Oh, no, we got to hear from Senator Exxon. And he rambles on for there for a minute before he asks his questions. And, again, John says he's against you know, as an artist, he's against any rating system. He's against any type of censorship. Um, but he was in agreement with printing the lyrics. Yeah. And then we got to whatever what was it was it Senator Kessler? Yeah. Pressler or Pressler, I think it was. And again, he asked pretty much the same freaking question that Eggson just asked. I know. I, again, I swear these guys, I swear they don't listen to each other. No, they don't. And and, and you know, I guess the thing would be to go look see which one's a Republican, which one's a Democrat. Because at that point there, you better figure out, yeah, you know, oh, well, there's the problem. You know, one's a Republican, one's a Democrat. Democrats not listening to Republican. Republicans not listening to Democrat. Yeah, and they ask the same question. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Apologize. They ask the same question, but in a different way. And it's like, really? That question was just asked. Let alone, he not only answered it, but he also put in there, Hey, my song Rocky Mountain High was portrayed as a as a drug song. No, that's not what it's about. It is about life, oh, about taking man. your friend on a, tr- a camping trip, showing oh, them this, showing yeah. your friend 
what is out there? What is in mother? What mother nature has to offer? Oh, no kidding. I mean, I mean, and we can even talk from living up, growing up in Battle Mountain, Nevada, because it was so such, such a small town that even going out to a friend's house that lived like out hill, what we call the hilltop area, or uh, or even eastern, southeastern Battle Mountain, or I guess more eastern, right up there against the mountain. You go out to these people's houses, you know, where you're not even in the city, and the star, the ability to see stars is amazing. Yes, it is. Because it's just, you know, you've got that pitched black sky with them stars twinkling. Yeah. You know, when and when, I mean, even living here where we do, it even though it's got that rural effect, it don't, it still, we can see some stars. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say yeah. we can't. We can't. Yeah. But we do have that city effect. Yeah, we do. You know, and, which then you lose that effect of that, yeah. you know. And it's just like they just weren't listening because it was the Do same question. No, they don't. The same question, the same exact answer, and it's like, really, people? Really. So. Anyway, so, again, that was Mr. Denver's talk. I am really shocked that we went this far, this long, but, hey, uh, sometimes I get a little little runny with my mouth <laughs> anyways so other than that i mean i hope you guys enjoyed enjoyed this one um i i honestly I love john denver I, he's really he really is an eloquent man he he definitely came in prepared um luckily for him he won a lot of them over due to the fact of who he is yet again you know, you're talking about Congress people who just don't want to, they, they're there for themselves. They're there for their, they're not there for the constituents. And that still is to the deal to this day. They're there for, uh, the, oh, what do you call them? They're there for their own. No, they're there for uh, somebody out there is yelling at their frigging deal right now. Cause Lobby, I can't lobbyists. lobbyists. Thank you. Lobbyists. Yes. They're there for them because those are the ones that pay them the millions of dollars. Yeah, they are. You know, so anytime one of them says, oh, well, I'm here for the people, bite me. You're not here for the people. No, you're not. Anyways, that was John Denver. Uh, next week should be D. Snyder. I'm not going to guarantee it because who knows? I might throw, a, might throw a curveball at it. No, we won't be going Christmas again. But you never know what might happen. Maybe it's an interview with somebody. Who knows? I don't. I think we're going to go D. Snyder, but you never know. Plans could change. They always do. Anyways, let's get the hell out of here. In closing, we would like to thank you all for downloading this episode. If you are a new listener and haven't subscribed, please click the subscribe button. If you subscribe, you will be notified when a new episode is, becomes available. Another way to help our podcast is by giving us a five-star review. It will help new listeners find this show when they are looking for a new podcast to listen to. Also, you, our listeners, can share this show on your own social media accounts to help spread the word about the podcast. Thanks again to all our current and longtime listeners. Used and Abused can be found on the following social media platforms. Twitter at Used Abused Pod. Facebook at Used Abused Pod. Tumblr, used, abused, pod. Instagram, used, and abused, pod. And it's spelled out, A-N-D. YouTube, used, and abused, pod. Email, used, and abused, pod at gmail.com. Again, that and is spelled out, A-N-D. 
As always, all social media links will be included in the description of each and every episode, so you can always click on those links as well. We can be found on the following podcast apps and directories. Anchor. iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Google Play Music. Google Podcasts. Pocket Casts. Overcast. Breaker. CastBox. Radio Public. Spotify. TuneIn. And Stitcher. Please rate and review Use the Views and Music Podcast. Until next episode, have, have a great weekend. And a great work week. Be kind to everyone. And, and keep, keep the, the music playing. playing.